0: This is Doug Hastings, Vice President of Moody Radio, and we're thankful for support from our listeners and businesses like United Faith Mortgage.
1: Heading into spring, I've been spending a lot of time pondering, analyzing, and debating something extremely important to men, and even many women. And that's whether a new driver would improve my golf game. I would say I'm somewhere between embarrassing and appalling at golf. But man, do I love it. And all my buddies show up with these epic flash, big maverick birther drivers. And I can't help but feel like they've got this massive advantage on me and my persimmons. It's Ryan. And at our faith and family mortgage team, we're proud to have a pretty special advantage ourselves. And one that can be a big deal for you. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. Which means our company uses its own money and makes its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We're much better at mortgages than I am at golf. We are United Faith Mortgage.
0: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Millville Park Road, Millville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. You are listening to Ed Stetzer Live, and it is as always great to have you listen. This and every Saturday at this time, we have important conversations about church ministry, mission, evangelism, culture, and issues of our day. We have some exciting authors on. We'll often have people who are just helping us to think more biblically and more Christ in a more Christ centered way. So, we're going to continue our conversation today around those themes. Christine Kane is an Australian born, Greek blooded lover of Jesus. She's an international speaker, author, and activist. Chris and her husband, Nick, founded the Anti-Human Trafficking Organization, the A21 Campaign, recipient of all kinds of awards, including the one fascinating one is the Mother Teresa Memorial Award for their work fighting human trafficking among refugees. They also founded Propel Women, uh, an organization designed to celebrate every woman's passion, purpose, and potential. And of course, we are very thrilled that we have a partnership together, Uh, with the Wheaton College Graduate School and Propel Women as well, which is just awesome. And just full disclosure, Christine and our good friends, and we're so happy to have this conversation with her today. Christine, thanks for coming on the program. Ed,
2: I'm so honored and pumped to be on here.
0: Pumped to be on here. Every time we meet, though, you're sort of pumped. You're just an excited person as you take on the powers and principalities and everything else. But you're a speaker, author, activist. But tell me a little bit about how you came to Christ and uh, and then maybe the people don't know your story. It's a powerful and compelling story. So tell us a little bit.
2: Sure. You know, Ed, there's no like linear path, but I grew up in a staunch Greek Orthodox home. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, yes. that is my big fat Greek life. And so, um, you know, I spoke Greek before I spoke English. And so I remember growing up in the Orthodox Church and I could say even then I felt drawn towards God, but I had no idea. I I distinctly remember before I went to school, looking at all of the icons on the wall in the Greek Orthodox Church. And I used to think, I want to get my picture on the wall. Um, But then one of the priests told me that, you know, you have to like die and be martyred. So (laughs) I I didn't any longer want to get my picture on the wall. So that that went. But so I was sort of drawn to God, but I had never really heard the gospel. And of course, coming in a Greek Orthodox tradition, we were never invited to read the Bible for ourselves. You know, I didn't actually know that you could. And and I grew up in a, in a background, my immediate family was great. But, you know, my parents allowed people into our home that they should have been able to trust that really betrayed that trust. And so um, I was the victim of sexual abuse for many, many years as a young child. And also, um, Ed, you know, when I was 33, I found out that I wasn't who I thought I was. I found out that I had been adopted, that I had been left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. And so what you've got is a, a big mess happening. You know, you've got a, a young woman that was just so bound by rejection, abandonment, adoption, abuse. Um, and so I was I was really, uh, to be honest, I was probably a, a young woman full of, you know, anger and bitterness and unforgiveness Um, in many ways. And then in my late, late teens uh, at school, an evangelical group that was called the God Squad, and they (laughs) sort of worked together with um, the Sydney Anglicans because I grew up in Sydney, Australia. They came to school and um, I could not believe that you could have people that called themselves Christians with long hair and beards and come off their Harley Davidsons. And I remember they um, presented the gospel in a way that I understood. And it was the first time that I really heard the gospel and I was just so drawn to Jesus. The fact that there was um, a God who loved me despite my past, um, a God that, you know, was able to redeem me and give me a life beyond, was able to forgive me of my sin um, and give me a brand new life and a hope for the future. I was just so compelled by that message. And I remember they gave me a Bible to which my parents took that from me because they were like a Greek girl cannot read the Bible. Only wow. the priests can read the Bible. So it was still then, you know, I stumbled along and it was really at about 21, a friend invited me to a church, and you know, I had never really been to. It was a, sort of a church with more of a charismatic Pentecostal tradition. I remember walking in; I had never seen a sort of what would be termed a contemporary worship service. Um, you know, with music. I mean, at first, I'm like, "Is this a disco?" Because this is the '80s, wow. you know. So, yeah. I'm like, I come from this Greek Orthodox church, and I'm like, "What is this?" But something happened to me there where I could, you know, I truly encountered. Jesus. And so from that first day, so that was actually the last Sunday in January, 1989 to today, you know, we're recording this in 2021. um, I could say I chose to truly follow Jesus. And by God's grace, very imperfectly, and in a very flawed way, I have followed him ever since. So that's been kind of the journey that led me to that.
0: Well, I love that journey. And I love that you identify yourself in so many ways, because you're rescuing uh, victims of trafficking. You're Uh, seeking to propel women. You're an evangelist. And so all these things sort of come together in some ways in your new book. And it's available now. It's called, How Did I Get Here? Finding Your Way Back to God When Everything is Pulling You Away. So tell us a little bit about, you know, we've all, because we've all been there. We're all feeling disconnected at times for so many different reasons. How do we turn the page on that? Uh, How do we course correct? And why did you write the book?
2: Yeah, I wrote it for a number of reasons. Part of it is, You know, I've been looking, obviously, I'm involved with women, I'm involved with young people, and just been seeing such a drift, listening to my own children's questions about, you know, uh, faith and what is happening. And I started to think, you know, I remember when I was young, you know, in Australia, we have this beach in, in, in New South Wales called Umina Beach. Now, my dad, you know, we'd pack the car with all the Greek stuff. We'd go up to this beach, and this Umina Beach had a particularly strong undertow. My dad would put up one big, bright Greek umbrella, every colour under the rainbow, on one umbrella, and then a whole bunch of beach towels. And they'd, he'd put them, you know, 50 metres apart on the sand. And he would say to us, kids, when you go out to swim... You're not going to feel it, but there is an undertow underneath. So I need you to look up and check your markers on the beach. Make sure you're between the umbrella and the towel. And if you don't check your markers regularly, you will drift. And he would drum into us, kids, all you have to do to drift is nothing. You don't have to try to swim out. You you just have to do nothing. And I began to think in so many areas of our life, whether it's our faith, our relationships, our friendships, our marriages, our, our children, our health, our fitness, all you have to do to drift is nothing. And I think a lot of times we think I'm drifting if I'm either contemplating or I have done something really, really bad. That's obvious I've drifted. And yet what I found, and even after 30 years of following Jesus, you know, a couple of years ago, Ed, I hit I hit a really difficult season. There were just a number of things that happened all at once, professionally, personally, my, my mother passed away, which triggered a lot of things to do with my adoption, my biological mother, my you know um, adopted mum, my sister-in-law who was my age died, my husband's sister died, my husband's brother-in-law died, and I'm here in America. You know, there's a number of deaths in a three-month period in Australia. It really uh, started to just unsettle me, and you know, like it does. Even I'm in my mid-fifties, you you start to be confronted with this with way more regularity at my age. At the same time, there were major shifts happening in culture. This is sort of tail end of 2016, 2017, you know, um, doing uh, what I do, anyone that does what we do in any sort of public forum, um, you know, some people think you're not saying enough, other people think you're saying too much and, you know, you just can't seem to win no matter what you're doing and things were shifting. So, dramatically of course at work things were changing and then there's just the inevitable things of you know you're just part of life you know you you, all of this was happening and I got to a place I remember this one night Ed I went to uh, talk to my husband and and my husband Nick is awesome and he the way he de-stresses is he was watching this Netflix series on the Navy SEALs And this thing called Hell Week, I didn't even know what that was. But apparently it's this one week where the elite of the elite go in for training to become a Navy SEAL, but everything is designed to break you physically, emotionally, spiritually with this goal, ring the bell so that you don't become a SEAL. And there was this one scene where they dropped the guys out of the helicopter. They had to, you know, swim back to shore. And um, I started crying, which was very odd for me. And my husband's like, what is up? and i said i think this is how i feel right now i feel like you know doing what we do helping to abolish slavery and rescue the victims of human trafficking helping to um helping people to fulfill their purpose i'm sort of very much on the front line we do a lot of evangelism and mission around the world we have offices in 18 countries around the world so so much of my life in ministry is you know in in difficult places working with the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed and it was like three decades of doing all of this and then sort of confronting a shifting culture, changing norms, um, I just said to my husband, I know that I could swim to shore. I know that I could keep going. For the first time in 30 years, I don't know if I want to. Mm -hmm. And I had never, Ed, reached that place. I've gotten plenty of times in my Christian life, I've thought, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I am, you know, Uh, if I have the knowledge or if I have the resources to continue to do what I do, but I'd never gotten to a place where I thought, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And I thought if I just take my foot off the gas, nobody will ever really know. Mm -hmm. If I just take, I'm not going to go do anything bad. I'm just going to take my foot off the gas and I'm not going to keep pressing on. And in that conversation, I, with tears streaming down my face, I said to my husband, how did I get here? That's how the book title was. It was like, in my own heart, I recognized that I had what, you know, I guess in corporate terms would be like a mission drift. There was something in my heart, like it wasn't a drift of faith, but it was, I was starting to drift from my purpose and from my mission. And I was allowing external forces, shifts in current, you know, mistakes and heartache and disappointment and discouragement. I was allowing that to make me drift off what, you know, I believe the Lord had called me to do. And I thought if I could be there, imagine how other people in every area of life also can experience drifting. And sometimes drifting just doesn't look like what we think. We often think if you've deconstructed your faith and you post something on Instagram that says, I no longer, you know, follow Jesus or or go to church, that means you've drifted. But you can be drifting and not be that far gone. Um, And I realized. It was time to check my markers. And and for me, 2018 was a a very difficult year of digging deep, going, okay, what are the markers in my Christian life? And um, if I'm going to continue by the grace of God to be fruitful for the next two decades, what do I have to root and ground myself in? And, you know, it comes back to the scripture in Hebrews. Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul. And, you know, even in the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2, very clearly said that we must pay extra attention in the Greek. You know, perisoteros prosochin. I could hear those words in Greek. My mum saying, pay extra attention, lest we also drift from so great a salvation. And I found that even as a woman doing what I'm doing three decades on from serving Jesus, that it was time for me to pay extra attention, lest I also drift.
0: We're listening to Christine Kane. I want to remind you that we are uh, not live today here on Ed Stetzer Live. We've pre-recorded this program, and so uh, we can't call in this day, but we're having this conversation with Christine uh, that I know you would be uh, fruitful and beneficial. Make sure you share with others, too. All of the resources that we mention in this program and every program are available at edstetzerlive.com, including links to the A21, that's the Rescue Ministry, Rescuing Victims of Trafficking Ministry, uh, also for Propel is there. And as I mentioned, the new book is available as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Christine Kane in just a moment. Welcome back to Ed Stetzer Live. We're here with our conversation with Christine Kane. The drift concern, help us to maybe answer the question, how do we course correct? I mean, your dad told you, stay between these markers, but how do we turn the page? How do we course correct?
2: Yeah, I think in lots of ways. Let me maybe use another uh, image that I've got for that. You know, I was thinking that one day, um, you know, we, the headquarters of A21 is in Thessaloniki, Greece. So we were in Greece one day and Nick, had, he, my husband loves to boat. So I remember going out and Nick's like, Chris, throw the anchor. Out, You know, they throw the anchor overboard. And and so I was a little bit more concerned with sunbaking than anything. So I threw the anchor overboard. But about 30 minutes later, Ed, you know, we hear this like bump and we bumped up against another boat. Now, my yeah. husband, who's normally very, you know, a- a nice, was sort of like, Christine, yeah. I told you to throw the anchor out. And I went, I did. He goes, did you check that, you know, that it, it sort of got into the seabed? Did you check your anchor? And I went, you never told me to do that. You said just to, so I just sort of threw it over the side of the boat. And, um, wow. you know, it was like, oh, and he said, Chris, it's actually the anchor has to get into the seabed. You've got to be anchored. And I think what we're in a time, Ed, I mean, we could all laugh at, you know, my stupidity because that's what it was. But even had I checked the anchor then, the current still would have been changing. You know, the I've done a little bit of research on current's, for the book. I've learned more than I ever wanted to know. But the currents are always changing under the ocean. And so the deal is that you have to regularly check your anchor. So if Jesus is this anchor that we have, you know, uh, this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, even as believers, we can be like, yes, I'm anchored in Christ. But sometimes the links that keep us connected to the anchor can either be rusty or can be broken. And so what I have done, I think throughout the book, is gone look after over three decades of following Jesus. Here is the basic links in the chain that we have to regularly be checking um, because if we're not checking the links, even though we go, yes, my anchor is Jesus, my hope is Jesus, but we have drifted from being connected to him um, because the links have become rusty. Now, whether, of course, our our basic spiritual disciplines, there's a reason why we have a rule of life. It's not because we're legalistic. <laughs> what it does is it actually keeps you connected to your anchor, whether it's through prayer, being committed uh, to a, you know, local community of believers, you know, reading the scriptures. Uh, in many ways, you know, I've got this list of, you know, you started drifting. And I think in our world, I mean, there's a a whole lot of them, but I talked about it, you know, when when you stop praying and you start talking, I think with the advent of social media, we love to hear our own voices more than we love to, uh, you know, listen to the voice of God and see what God is saying. Or, um, you know, when we stop trusting God with our future and we start trying to control things for ourselves, you know, when we um, basically stop being well, I said when we stop working and we start watching what I mean by that is when we stop being about the mission of God and the purpose of God and we just become spectators in a Christian grandstand and we're, we're spectating at Christian events rather than living the journey so there are these things that I thought you know in my mid-50s uh, doing this for three decades what are the things that I believe will keep us anchored? Always with the hope, you know, somebody's going to be listening to this thinking, but but I feel like I've drifted. I'm out to sea. Is it too late for me? And um, the hope is it's never too late because wherever you are, there God is, and always willing to bring us back into his arms and into his amazing grace and his love and his mercy and his purpose. Um, but I think sometimes we inadvertently drift not because we want to do something bad or even go somewhere bad. It's simply that we've stopped doing some of the things that keep us anchored.
0: Fascinating. I, I remember uh, we, we've been friends and walking through a little bit that hard time that you talked about. Yeah. And I love that you have now written a book that sort of reflects on that because it's so helpful to, I mean, from people who just love the Lord, walk with the Lord every day at their job, to people who are Christian leaders. And I, I wonder... I was just, I literally, before we're having this conversation, I just came from a meeting where I talked about you behind your back with people that are some global leaders and who were talking about Christian witness in the world. And and I said, you know, when I walk into the Chicago airport, I see A2-1 banners. And so when I see, I mean, literally every time I go there, I, I think about, and so thankful for you and your work, yet you're making this world impact, right? So, but you just told us a minute ago that you felt something of the subtitle of your book to remind everyone, the title of the book is, How Did I Get Here? Finding Your Way Back to God When Everything is Pulling You Away. You as a leader and as a Christian had to kind of re-anchor, I don't want to mix your metaphors up here, but you, you had to do that. I think that surprises a lot of people that Christian leaders experience that as well. Unpack that a little bit with us. Is that normal? Is, it, is this one time in your life? Have you seen others walk through these kind of challenging times as leaders?
2: No, I find that consistently throughout my decades, um, I've got to check that anchor constantly, you know, and and check the links in the chain. Um, And you know, of course, if you're in any kind of leadership capacity, I think in life, uh, you you know, you become um, you're more exposed, you're more vulnerable. You know, um, I think in the in the culture and the society in which we live, um, there are. Both attacks that come and you no, know, only Jesus is perfect. And so every single one of us uh, makes mistakes. Every one of us trips up, stumbles, you know. And the fact is I think sometimes we we say that, you know, everyone's only human and then when um, someone is human, we're like we're, we're not very merciful at times and you go, wow. Um, I think when it came to my sort of questioning of myself, do I want to take my foot off the gas? I'm thinking to keep going forward and to keep bearing fruit. It means in the world in which we live that you continue to be on the front lines. You continue to be, uh, you know, to be vulnerable to, to whatever, like, you know, in the world in which we live. So I think there's something that happens on the inside where you, you have to constantly count the cost Mm. of continuing to move forward. I think that was my place. And so my drift in that sense, would have been, you know, in my twenties and thirties, and for and the, you know, Ed, I'm old enough that I got, uh, I came to faith in Christ and began my uh, Christian ministry when there was no such thing as an internet, yes, and there was no such thing as social media. Right. That was such a grace; it yes. was so, mm-hmm. it was so wonderful, um, you know, and so. And it, was such, and it was before there was a time, you know, there was no such thing as cancel culture and grace and mercy still sort of seem to exist. And so you ch- just kind of look at the world uh, that we're moving forward in and you go, wow, uh, to continue to move forward and the way society is going and the shifts in the currents, you've got to really count the cost to keep going forward. So am I going to drift hmm. from what I believe the Lord has called me to, Or am I going to stay on track, stay on purpose, hopefully be able to echo the words that Paul wrote, you know, I have run my race, I have finished my course, Uh, this one thing I do, I press on. You know, that sounds noble, but um, you just kind of go, really? Is this this? I've got to say during that season I was more like – Maybe I'll buy a taverna in Santorini and serve people baklava and talk talk to them one on one about the gospel. That may be a more pleasurable way to cross the finish line. (laughs) You know, so I think there is. I'm laughing, but I think basically that's what it comes down to. We have often measured drift to do with have you left the faith or have you committed some major sin or you know like like we, we basically have our. We, we set up markers right. and we go, um, you know, this is going to determine whether you're still in or not. But I think one thing we don't talk about as leaders and um, as people that have maybe walked with the Lord for decades is have we chosen to faithfully endure to the end and run our race and finish our course? Or did we drift somewhere along the line because the pressure was too great? or we couldn't get back up after a mistake or a failure, or we couldn't get back up after criticism or, I mean, because that's more the things that are going to happen, you know, it's, by God's grace, I'm not, at this point in my life, I hope, you know, I'm not likely to go and do something massively crazy, but keeping my foot on the gas and being faithful to the end, whoa, that that takes courage and strength of its own.
0: It does. And I I think that's a key part of how did I get here? The book is, how do I get here? Uh, Finding your way back to God when everything is pulling you away. It A lot has to do with your relationship with the Lord, but so much about the call the Lord has on your life as well. So, um, But one of the things in the book you talk about that help us to kind of walk through some of these, what questions should we be asking about our relationship with God um, and maybe our relationship with others so we stay where we know God wants us to be?
2: Yeah, I think um, the kind of questions that we firstly we need to know that Jesus truly is our, our our hope, and that is the anchor. You know, thank God our anchor doesn't go down to the seabed. It, it you know it's our anchor is firm behind that veil, so we, it's even firmer than, than than anything else. But I don't think you uh, truly know whether you're truly anchored if your ultimate hope lies in Christ until you lose a lot of other things. And um you know, during that time, not, not only was there like my mum and family members and going through some challenges at work, and then also um, that for me there was a, a betrayal of a, a close friend. you know David wrote in the Psalms, um, it would have been easier if my enemy was against me, but when it was my friend that I used to go to the house of God with, you know like you, and, and I would say over the last few years, Ed, a lot of people have just, you know, friendships have been strained and, you know, um, and, and a lot of people are destabilized. So some of that, uh, you've got to ask yourself if that is going to destabilize me to the point that I'm going to walk away from my faith or walk away from my commitment, was my hope ultimately in Christ or was my hope ultimately in a person, a political system an economic system, um, a social system, you know, an education system, whatever. I mean, insert whatever you want to insert. But it's until some of these other things, you know, the writer to the Hebrew said only those things that can be shaken will be shaken so that those things ca- that cannot be shaken will remain. Well, we've all gone through a major shaking. Um, you know, I'm I'm very candid about my own um both emotional and spiritual shaking that I went through, but I'm not alone. I doubt that there's a person in Christendom that in the last few years has not been shaken to their core. And this is where I come out the other side going, well, I can tell you um, Jesus is this hope I have as an anchor for my soul, both firm and secure, because um, there were times, now thank God for great people. I mean, you know, you particularly, um, you and maybe three or four other very close friends uh, walked alongside me. I mean, I you know even at, at this stage of leadership, thank God that I'm uh, not doing it alone because I needed some friends um, that could hold me up during that time and and speak to my potential and continue to say, you know what, um, we can get back up and we can keep going. And uh, you know, I think that any leader or person that thinks we are ever beyond that actually stops being an effective leader mm-hmm. because before I'm a leader. I'm a follower of Jesus. Before I'm a leader, I'm a learner. Before I'm a leader, I'm a disciple, I'm a human being. And I think sometimes we can forget that and we can put, um, but of course with all leadership comes great responsibility, but sometimes to put unrealistic expectations on people um, and it, it can become deeply damaging. So anyway, in, in the midst of all of that, I think, I think there's, you know, I probably walk with a, uh, a greater humility and a greater depth because that's what uh, pain can do to you. And um, I think probably I'll be a more effective leader in the next season going forward.
0: Hey, welcome back to Ed are Live, and as I mentioned, we're having a real helpful conversation with Christine Kane, maybe familiar with her, she's got a whole series of books and uh, Bible studies and things of that sort, um, and kind of had a theme, like it was, uh, it was unashamed, unshakable, unstoppable, um, you know, different resources in and around those themes, and one of the great opportunities we had today is to have a conversation uh, with Christine Kane. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this is pre-recorded uh, because hopefully you're enjoying the holiday weekend as well. But uh, Christine Kane's book is just brand new coming out, and it talks about how did I get here? And that's the title of the book: "How Did I Get Here? Finding Your Way Back to God When Everything Is Pulling Away." And I don't know about you, but I really have experienced that in my own life, and maybe particularly in the last uh, year, maybe in difficult times, we feel that. So I'm hoping that this will be uh, encouragement to you as you kind of think about how to respond to when you feel yourself maybe drifting a little bit, it might be for different reasons. Sometimes it's because of the stress of life, the difficulty of the day, or maybe sometimes it might be sin in our life or more. And so um, as you're here in this interview, Christine and I are actually good friends, and we kind of walk through some of the journey she writes about in this book. Uh, we actually walk through some of that together uh, as friends. And so I'm deeply thankful for her friendship and her ministry uh, and more. So my hope for you is that you're listening, and or maybe you're listening later, and the podcast is always going to remind you, go to edstetzerlive.com, and you can subscribe Uh, To the podcast, there as always. But my hope is that you might hear Christine's heart and mine as well. That in the midst of difficult times, that in the midst of um, hard challenges, which you may be experiencing even right now or even in your day to day life, and sometimes, you know, in the midst of the world being in a greater crisis, you might have experienced a deep personal struggle. And sometimes they're related, sometimes they're unrelated. But my hope and prayer is in this conversation, that we're having with Christine, that the end result might be for you what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says we should provoke one another to love and good deeds. So I know that in this conversation, I was challenged to make sure that my own life stays anchored well, uh, doesn't drift, looks to markers to avoid that drift. And so I know you'll want to be encouraged by this uh, as well. I mentioned it's pre-recorded so that our team, our great team, can have a little time off their weekend as well. So we're going to continue our conversation with Christine Kane. So in your book, um, Chris, you talk about moving from what if kind of faith, which is a fascinating description. But then you need to give a little background so people understand it, and then or to an even if kind of faith. I found that super helpful. What does that mean? Just, you know, describe the terms, and then what does that mean? How's that lived out? Sure. Well, you know,
2: Ed, most of us uh, often do not step out and um, do what we believe maybe the Lord is leading us to do because. I call it the what if because we play out, especially if you've got my kind of background, you play out everything to the nth degree. So it's like, what if, when I started A21, I remember having my what if conversations with the Lord, you know, what if, one of the big ones was the Albanian or the Russian mafia kills us. You know what? What if um, I've just had another child? What? What? If, you start playing things out in your mind, these scenarios. What if? What if? Of which most will never come to pass. But because we are so fearful of what? If, what if this costs me my family? What if making a stand for Jesus in my job uh, costs me my job? What if? You know. So we we do all these what ifs, and so then we. We don't actually um, step out and do the thing that we should be doing because of that fear. So if we replace that with an even if, um, and even if is the, you know, I call it the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego faith, which is like, you know what, um, I might lose my job. Um, This might cost me some friendships. Um, This may be risky for our family to be involved in human trafficking and, you know, traffickers to know, yes. And even if... All of these things happen, yet I will still, you know, serve the Lord and praise the Lord. And once you get to an even if, and perhaps I'll go one step further, an even when (laughs) it does happen, and you can still testify to the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. And I think if we understand that, I think sometimes um, when we have left that out, we've sort of said, what if, and most of the what ifs will never happen. But then we've set people up to expect from God that there's always this kind of like win, win, win. You know, you're going to be rich. You're going to be successful. You're going to be first. You're going to be great. Well, there's nothing in scripture that says that's what's going to happen. But what we say is that even if um, some of these scenarios happen, you know, the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame, well, there's a lot of even ifs in there. (laughs) They died not having seen the promise. That is the legacy of believers. But when you get to that place of faith, and I think I had to really get there, you know, come 2018. It was like, wow, even if, okay, the even if has happened and you know what, Jesus, you're still on the throne and Jesus, you're still good and Jesus, you're still faithful and Jesus, this is deeply painful, but I'm going to continue to follow you. I'm going to continue to serve you. And that's the, even if is what stopped me from ultimately drifting. And by that, I mean, stepping back from my purpose. Um, and it was like, well, um, Jesus is worthy. Like the fact is, Maybe the rest of the people wouldn't know that I took my foot off the gas, but Jesus would know hmm. because he would know that I'm not pressing. And I had to get to that place that is Jesus worthy enough that even if my worst case scenario happens, he's still worthy. And I think when you get there, then you are ready for a whole new season of fruitfulness.
0: Well, though he slay me still, will I serve him that kind of language yeah. and approach. And, um, you know, the book, of course, is how do I, how did I get here? And so one of the questions is, is what are the signs that I got to the place I don't want to be? What are the signs that we're drifting off course and how do we get ourselves back on track? Two parts.
2: So, you know, Ed, I, I wrote in the book um, and I'll just, I'll just read the chapter headings because I think that will help people yeah. understand um what sort of things am I talking about when I say that this is a sign that you're drifting? And there's a good checklist here in the book. And, you know, the first one I I said, you know, you've drifted when you stop trusting and you start controlling. And I think we all get to that place. And it's good to do a self-check because you don't realize like, whoa, I've got all these areas in my life where I thought I was trusting God, but I'm actually just trying to control things myself. You know, you know, you've drifted when, you stop healing and you start seeping. And I think there's just so much pain and, you know, rightly so. There has just been so many things uncovered in the last few years and people are carrying so much pain. But we want to be sure, and I know this from experience with my own background, so I get it, that we're going to Jesus. And, of course, in that I'm saying and great Christian counselors and therapists and whatever we might need um, to get true healing in our inner man so that we're not just seeping um, all over our relationships, because often, you know, even when it comes to our marriages and our families, we can be bringing um, the pain of our past into our present relationships and we can be seeping over people. Um, you know, I've said, you, you know, you've drifted when you stop wondering and you start wondering. And I guess with my Aussie accent, a lot of people are probably be thinking like, what <laughs> is she saying? It's the same thing. One's got an O, one's got an A. And I think it's when you lose that awe and wonder. Um, about Jesus and you just begin wondering, man, you just go out there and you start to believe every wind of doctrine and everything that's just out there. And um, you know, when you stop praying and you start talking, so, you know, when instead of going and hearing the voice of God and trusting the Lord uh, through prayer and staying anchored to him through prayer, you know, I start to like to listen to my own voice or everybody else's voice a whole lot more and I think there's a whole lot of that happening um, out there right now. You know, you've drifted when you stop gathering and you start isolating. I'm laughing because I was like writing this at the, you know finishing it all off in the beginning of COVID when wow. everyone was in lockdown yeah. and everyone. Went, and I thought, well, yes, we all have stopped gathering for this season. Right. But I mean, I'm talking about in a non-pandemic uh, kind of uh, thing. Um, you know, you know, you've drifted when you stop hungering and you start gorging. And by that, I mean when you've start stop, stopped hungering after righteousness. Um, and, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you just start gorging on a whole lot of other stuff. And I think I think it will resonate with people just two more um, when you stop working and you start watching. And, of course, you know, I truly believe that we've created, um, we are God's workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we were never created to be Christian spectators at Christian events. We were called to participate in this awesome, awesome mission of God on the earth to, to bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And finally, um, you know, and this one is the most personal one for me because this was my sign of drifting. You know, you've drifted when you stop pressing hmm. and you start coasting. Yeah. And you could do that in really different degrees. And you could be a Christian leader. You can be running a massive ministry and you can actually be coasting and no longer pressing. And I think obviously that's when you know, in the book of Revelations, whether um, there was the cry to the churches, you know, you've lost your first love. You've got a whole lot of other stuff going on. I mean, that's for us to really do a self-examination. Are we truly still pressing on and pressing in, determined to lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of us? And you can mask it when you've been a Christian for a while and you know the Christian verbiage, you've been in the Christian system. You can be coasting and you can fool everyone in Christendom, but you will never fool Jesus.
0: Welcome back to Head Live. Let's continue our conversation with Christine Kane. Okay, so helpful look at drifting, you know, the things that might be markers of the drift that's there. Um, how do we get ourselves back on track? I mean, you've got some very practical directions and ideas in the book. How do we get ourselves back on track? Let me also mention the name of the book one more time so that people can uh, pick it up. It's How Do I Get Here? It's out now. It's finding your way back to God when everything is pulling you away. How do I get? How do we get ourselves back on track?
2: Yeah. And well, I think, you know, I've always found um, the good prayer, God, please help, is really, really awesome. You know, <laughs> uh, that that works in Greek, Hebrew or Aramaic, however you want it to go. That's like, uh, and I, I think, again, you know, our view of God, uh, I, you know, Ed, I come from such a staunch Orthodox background that I, I used to always think God was always angry with me and so distant. And if I had drifted, especially how I used to think I would have thought I would have wanted to pay some kind of penance for the rest of my life like you know God I owe you I'm going to come back but I, I found God is infinitely more merciful than I ever ever could imagine incredibly more graceful and again I think I you know I made mention of it before wherever you are there God is it's, it, it's okay like you know and that's why I say God please help because he is so willing to to bring us back. And, um, you know, a lot of people uh, may not be as merciful as God is, but ultimately, again, this is another sign that you know you are really anchored to Him because His opinion of you matters than other people's opinion. And, you know, I, I often think even... Um, with the master that paid the 11th hour laborers as much as the, the first hour laborers. I thought, you know, there's a lot of people that have been drifting that are going to come back and there's going to be a, a lot of other people that are go, well, you shouldn't, you know, you don't deserve this or you don't. And so you're, you're always in one way or another going to come up against people that would rather push you out to sea than see you come back into the heartbeat of the purpose and plan of God. And I hope for anyone that's listening to this, that feels that they have drifted maybe even too far Uh, to to ever come back. I I want them to know that no one has drifted too far from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You know, Romans tells us that there is no way, nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And the message of the gospel is a message of hope and a message of restoration and a message of reconciliation. And I think if a leaders listening to this too, and just uh, Christians that have been walking with the Lord for a lot of years, that is not just for prodigals that have left, but it's also for, for people that are walking with Jesus that maybe have tripped along the way or maybe have made mistakes along the way or failed somewhere along the way. I think we need to be constantly reminded that God is a, an incredibly gracious God and part of, you know, we, we Ed, what would ever happen to us in our world if um, Christians could no longer be merciful and graceful to Christians and go, you know, and I'm looking at our world going, oh, my word. Sometimes I think some people stay out in the open ocean drifting because they feel like they'll be less eaten by sharks than if they come back home. And so I want to dispel that and go, wow, you know, um, I've walked that. A lot of us have walked that where you go, wow, um, I pray that the Church of Jesus Christ is a place of grace and a place of mercy and a place of love. Um, of course, a place of accountability and responsibility and all the things that are absolutely necessary, um, but that we would be a home for the drifters, whether they are prodigals or whether they've never known the Lord and they're just like right out there, that this would be a place where everybody could come home and feel safe.
0: Hmm. I love all the Bible you're dropping. I love the grace you're dropping. I love so much of what you're talking about here today. Um, and there is a spiritual element that's throughout the books, that's throughout your own journey. Um so, and a lot of times we don't get the answers that we wanted or that we expected or that we hoped for. So how should we respond to God's answers when they don't feel like an answer or when it's not the answer we want?
2: Yeah. And I think if you've lived as long as we have, uh, that would be true. You see it time and time again. And again, it comes um, back to the thing, will you trust God when you can't trace him? And I think we're all, you know, in we're going to confront that many, many times throughout our life. And you're going to have to be okay with that mystery. And, you know, I mean, the great issue of um, suffering and pain and disappointment and discouragement and disillusionment, Um, perhaps we don't talk about it enough uh, because people seem to be so shocked when that happens, which is a normal part of life. And often that's what causes people to drift. You know, where was God in my suffering? Where was God in this unjust situation? Where was God? And I think as leaders... It's important to say to people that, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of things um, in life that we will flat out, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how many degrees you've got, we will never know the answer of uh, the, the, for why. The why question in some area of your life, there's going to be something where you're just going to have to, by faith, believe Isaiah 55:8. you know, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, his ways are higher than my ways, um, that... Um, I just don't get it. But God, although I cannot trace you in this, I think there was a couple of things in my life over the last few years where I'm like, Lord, you could have stopped this. This did not need to go. And I think for all of us, it's that like this did not need to go here. And um, you go, wow, but it did. And so, okay, will I still trust you? Are you still worthy of my praise? And I think, Ed, if we really melt that down, that's kind of Christianity 101. He's God, we're not. And, you know, I'm finite. He's infinite. How would I ever think that I could actually understand everything? And there would be no place for faith and trust if there were not some areas that I just had to exercise faith and trust.
0: You know, I think a lot of our listeners, um, and just remind everyone, this is uh, pre-recorded, so um, we can't take calls uh, here, but we're so thankful to have Christine uh, available and to talk here in It's Desert Live. But um, one of the things that people just be perfectly blunt, Christine, we're friends. I know people who know yes. you. I had an email. Someone said that uh, one of our students said, can you get me a meeting with Christine Kane? I said, I can hardly get a meeting with Christine Kane. <laughs> so, uh, but they kind of put sometimes people like you, globally known Christian leaders, on a pedestal and they say things like, I can't imagine having faith like Christine Kane has talked about or, uh, you know, they, they feel like your faith is great faith, but they don't have that faith. So how does a person build and grow in their spiritual relationship with the Lord, their ability to trust him and more? I know it's a key part of the book and just to remind everybody, the book is how did I get here? But so you're Christine Kane, most of our listeners are not, how do they build their faith and their walk with the Lord so they can walk in this kind of journey you're talking about?
2: I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, like going to the gym, you build your faith muscle and um, you know, the, you build that faith muscle by encountering situations um, that are beyond you, that, it, you know, um, by encountering pain and loss and grief and suffering and disappointment and disillusionment and misunderstanding. Um, all of those things that we try to avoid are the very things that actually build your strength. By um, And I think, you know, I've grown very little through the areas that I'm really strong in and that are my natural gifts and talents, where my faith actually has had to be stretched and strengthened and developed is in all the situations I would have rather have avoided. And I think what we've got is a so many people avoid the very thing that is actually going to build them. And so, you, you know, just like everybody else, um, I confront fear like everybody else. I've just learned to do some things afraid until I'm no longer afraid. And I don't know how else to word it. It's not that I've been given a magic pill by God and said, whoa, I'm going to endow you from above with a magic wand with this supernatural faith. Faith is supernatural anyway, but you've got to build that muscle. And to everyone has been a portion, scripture says, a measure of faith. So it's our job to develop that and to grow that. But it's not going to grow if you keep avoiding um circumstances where it can grow, you know, and I'm even almost at a point, Ed, uh, you know, you more than anyone, uh, extremely privy to it's just some of the real pain I, I walked through in 2017, 2018. But I'm almost at the point now, it's 2021, where I can say, like the psalmist, it was good Oof. that they afflicted me. You know, I I, I I wasn't there then, and it's taken several years, but I can see what the Lord has done in me. Through that, and you go, wow, when maybe that's a faith that's really maturing. You know, some people see A21 and all of the global awards, and here we are in airports all around the world, training governments, training law enforcement, you know, all of the big public stuff. I mean, we got six uh, film awards from the Cannes Film Festival to uh, all around the world uh, for our latest Can You See Me campaign, the highest honors that um, you could get in the film industry. Um, For these short films, Can You See Me?, that are shown all around the world, none of that built my faith more than what I had to walk through by being afflicted and in deep pain pain over the last couple of years.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to my conversation with Christine Kane. To hear today's program again, as always, go to edstetzerlive.com or the Moody Radio app. I also want to thank our behind-the-scenes teams here at Moody Radio. My producer, Karen Hendren, our engineer, Courtney Young, want to remind you, that. This program is a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. And as always, I want to remind you to go to the social media, Twitter, wherever, Facebook, all at Ed Stetzer Live. Tune in next week. I'm going to chat with Baylor University epidemiologist, Dr. Emily Smith, uh, really about vaccines and about ending this pandemic and more. You won't want to miss that conversation as well.